This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back to Inside Black and Gold. We're chugging along here into segment two. Like I told you before, Steve Geller is on bed rest. So filling in is the great Mike Haas, voice of the Saints here at WWL Radio. He was uh, kind enough to jump in on short notice and break down some of the action here from week one and going into week two against the Bucks. How you doing, Mike? I'm good. It's been, you wake up and you go, wait, did that happen? It's, it's Tuesday, but it still happened, right? We, It, it happened. They, they didn't put another two seconds on the clock, did they? So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, I'm, I'm glad. Just to kind of set the scene here, uh, here's what it sounded like at the end of that game, which ended in a blocked kick. And even the blocked kick, even the blocked punt wasn't simple, right? It bounced right back right. into Bradley Pinion's arms. And so you're like, oh, right. what if he runs 90 yards? Right. 60 yards for a it touchdown? would not have surprised me at all. <laughs> anyway, here's what it sounded like on WWL. Saints Falcon game. Snap is down. Kick is up and it's blocked. It's blocked, but the Falcons get it. But now it's over. Now it's over. Now it's over. That's how you do it. Game's over. That's what I said. Congratulations, Dennis Allen. Welcome to the Saints Atlanta rivalry. I, I appreciate that. You know, you can hear um, Mark Romick saying the game is over. <laughs> You're like, I know. Finally. <laughs> I was. I, was I, I said that's what she said. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was. You know. But you're right. When that ball bounced back to the Falcons, I went, "Oh, good gosh! Please make this game end." Yeah, thankfully it went to Bradley Pinion. If it had gone to a more yeah. athletic player and they had like skirted around the edge and some, and he had to chase it down because you're not ready 
to right. <laughs> chase you're them. All, you're all there. in on the block, right? You're like, all there's a in chance on the block. They, they're celebrating the block, and they might not even notice that the guy right. caught the ball. But thankfully, that's not the deal. But, you know, it's really kind of – and you can hear it in your voice. You can hear it in the call that it was like, finally, this game that should have been over five different times is finally over. And, you know, it, it all kind of started with the, the spike. Because until you got to the point where you could win the game, it still it always felt like okay the Falcons are going to pull this out. They were ahead twenty four to I'm sorry twenty six to ten going into I think the final twelve minutes of that game. Right, they scored in the fourth quarter to make it twenty six ten. And then so the Saints got touchdown a two point conversion, which by the way was the first successful right. two point conversion. And I, I do you know how many? How I many think tries? It was, it was since twenty eighteen. I think it was Camara in twenty eighteen. I believe was the one the last time that it was successful. Yeah, I think they had gone. You know, they were in double digits of failed mm-hmm. two point conversions, which for an offense that for that entire time was orchestrated by you know an offensive wizard. You would think they would got lucky, <laughs> right? Some point. Right, just get lucky but, once in a while. Yeah, and, and Chris Olave ran a great route, got open. Yeah. But then, so that final drive, it starts with, you know, one of the most spectacular plays I have seen in a Saints game with Jameis having been just torn apart in the pocket all night. He sits back there and finds Jarvis Landry down the field. And then all hell breaks loose. Chaos ensues. The ref is like in the wash there, kind of getting stuck. And he's behind Dennis Allen. And, and, Here's what Dennis had to say uh, yesterday when we asked him about it. I would say, you know, when you kind of go back and you watch that play, and I'm standing right there, and clearly to me looks like Jarvis makes the catch, he's contacted, he's inbounds, um, and I'm saying clock it, which is what you would do in that situation. Um, and, And it's really not until... That when you watch the tape, the official's actually behind me um, that that ends up, you know, kind of saying that it's the clock stops. So, um, look, we got to do a better job as a coaching staff in, in that situation. Uh, starts with me, the communication uh, into the quarterback, um, the communication with me to Pete. You know, we got to do a better job there, and, and, and we will. And you got the spike call in quick. <laughs> It was it was chaos. I mean, I, I, when you think back now, you wonder what was did people on the sideline on the Saints sideline know that he was actually been had been ruled out of bounds because they went into this you know frantic move. One of the coaches actually was hugging Jarvis mm-hmm. on the sideline after the catch, and then you know it's just so you didn't know what was happening. I mean, it was just chaos, and then. When he spiked it, and this is, you know, Deuce does this so often. He just, he was like intentional grounding, lost it. I mean, he just went right into it. And I was like, what? What do you mean intentional grounding? You know, because I felt like everybody else at the clock, in fact, was running because they, they, they got to the line so fast. Right. They did what they would do in a a situation. Right. Did a great job. (laughs) And Atlanta didn't, you know, lumber around to get down there. They got down. So it all worked so perfectly against them, oddly. Well, and, and the thing is, like, you were at the 40-yard line there. You were not in field goal range. If you got in a field goal range, you might take your time and say, go ahead and kick it now. But at that point, you needed to run another play. So 
the only thing on DA and Jameis's mind is, okay, get this down. Because there is a ticking clock. And they were probably looking at the wrong clock if they saw a clock ticking down because the play clock starts. And so they just weren't in there about the same amount of time, right? It was about 40 seconds. And what might have happened is they looked up and saw the play clock ticking down and thought it was the game clock because um, they were about the same amount of time. You have a 40-second play clock. It was 40 seconds in the game. Anyway, that's just a, that's just a theory. But, you know, we were talking about this before we came on. And, you know, the reason you call a spike there and you have a split second to make that decision is DA is looking at the play. It happened on the same sideline. He's looking right at it. So he knows what the right call should have been, or at least what it appeared to be. And, and it wasn't. So it's like you got punished because the ref made a mistake and you were well, reacting like, gee, that never happens. Yeah. Right. But right. it's, it's weird it's, because it was like in reality, if you were aware of it, it was a gift, you know, like right. the Falcons would have been annoyed. Um, but, you know, and, and you asked me before we came on, like, you know, do I think it was the right call? And, you know, I don't even, I still, you know, we have a clip of it here and this is the best view I've seen to this point. And even in this, I don't know if he's touched. It looks like Casey Hayward has his hand on his back as he's going to the ground, but like one right way there. or another, like, yeah, the ref is in the wash. The ref can't see that the ref is guessing right. 100% guessing. Dennis said, well, the guy's behind me, right? And that's all like, what? Well, right. He's guessing. So if you're guessing, why are you guessing in that situation, seeing two guys go down who probably touched him, that he went down untouched, right? You are making a wild leap of faith on something you definitely did not see well. Um, and it's just a very strange thing. But, you know, I, I don't blame Dennis and Pete and everyone for assuming that that was the call. But you know, I think that going forward, you're going to see a team that has a much different style of decision making in those final like moment, those final thrive uh, situations. Right. Because. Yeah. But I mean, how can you ever duplicate this nonsense insanity? Oh, you're you never going to see this again. Well, they, they, I mean, it's a perfect throw, perfect catch. There's two guys there. I mean, I, I was wondering, is there anybody on the Saints sideline that knows the right call? Like, like that they were like, well, the clock stopped. You know, I, I, it, it all happened so fast from when Jarvis got up to when I went back to the line. I don't, I don't know what is the sideline screaming, clock it, clock it, clock it, or what? Everyone was it? screaming, clock it. <laughs> I yeah. was screaming, clock it. And everyone but the ref, apparently, who stood there and I, I, I guess the best way to describe it would be smirked. Like right. he had this look on his face. Because Jameis is like, what are you talking about? Anyway, it was uh, it. I didn't think that officiating crew was great. You know, they had that really questionable call on Marshawn on that that driver on midfield, which yeah. like, sure, by the letter of the law, and that's what Da said. It's a it's a foul. But in in what world does a rookie get that call? Right. This was Drake London against an all-pro cornerback in Marshawn Lattimore. Well, you could call it every day. You could call it, it's like offensive holding. You could call that, you could call that every play. Almost, there's that five yards contact. Man, that's, that's abused. Yeah, and it just, I mean, for that call to be made in that moment, right, when the ball had no chance, it wasn't like he was the, even the intended target. It was just, I don't know. It, it was it was just one of seven plays. We can, I want to get into a bit more of it because, the next thing that didn't make sense to me was, so first off, Jameis 
deserves all the credit in the world because that was such a frantic situation. And because of it, you were in second down and second and 20. So if you complete a pass short of the sticks, that's your only chance. Because if you want to clock it, then it's fourth down. And that's what happened. And he was able to find Jawan Johnson right at the line that you'd want to get to for Will Lutz. It was 51 yards, which you feel really comfortable with Will as long as it's, you know, 55 or under. Once you get over 55, then I think you start to get concerned. Um, but then they go out and spike it with 24 seconds left on the clock. And, you know, what, what were you in that moment? What were you saying? Because to me, it was like, what is going on? Like, why would you not at least either either bring it down or what the more likely scenario is Atlanta calls it one of its first timeout because they didn't call a timeout to ice Will Lutz. So they were trying to save their timeouts. So like, right. why would you why would you not force them to use that timeout? I just think that was. You know, the the first spike blunder I can understand, the second spike blunder I can't. And I think that's, if I was being critical of, of anything, it would be that. Because that's just an, not being aware of either the down or the, the time on the clock. They probably weren't aware of the down because the intentional grounding makes makes for a loss of down. And I think right. that's that's a rare situation where, you know, I can understand why you might not be, you know, you're just reacting. And yeah. Right. And it's, he's made the completion. He's got it down there. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think they had ever any intention of running another play, a little quick out to get five minutes to stop the clock. It was always about, it seemed to me, spiking. But it was just about, I mean, we're reacting like everybody else, like, oh, too soon, too soon. You know, there just didn't seem to be the, the, the need for it. And, you know, but even still, I was like, gosh, they got that's a long way for this Falcon team to go. Uh, you know, even with even with the spike at that point, right? What was it, 23 seconds, you know, that they mm-hmm. they had and kicked it out of the end zone? I'm thinking, well, what are they gonna do? You know, you got you got you gotta get to around midfield, you know, even then. So but with three uh, plays, you with three timeouts, you have three plays that you can use the entire field. And you can right. go 30, 40 yards in three plays if you but can I just did, when I started when I saw the the if you look back now, it's easy because we know what three pass plays they did well. First off, it should have been picked off, right? The very the first pass. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, yeah. That's one of that's one of the nine things that could have ended the right. game. The and then easy the game should have ended. You know, like you said, the game ended four times, but and that was their kind of their shot at that that play. And then from that, other than that, then they it's this short little like you're playing right into the Saints' hands. And you're like, well, mathematically, they almost can't do. When I got to third down, I'm like, well, okay, well, if they do throw it deep, the clock's going to run out. They can't – they'd have to throw it short and get out of bounds, and then they're not too far away. There's only one way they can do it, and they got it. Penalty. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, but no, but they had a timeout. The 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 third the timeout you didn't force them to use. Right, but if they what was it five or six seconds? How much time was left? Two. There was two seconds, and so the clock had gone down to zero. And Brian Edwards, you know, showing off his Academy Awards chops with a great flop. Oh my god! Yeah, um, flop that he was a part of. He was he he initiated that, 
and then Marshawn got called for again. You know, this is a all pro defensive back who's getting called for these plays. But so the reason that they put two seconds back on the clock was because they had a timeout left to stop right. the clock with two seconds. If you force them to use it, <laughs> that wouldn't have happened. They wouldn't have a chance at all. So like if you lost that game. Sorry, I'm just looking at the game book. I swear after the game on Monday morning, I was like, I, I, I know I called the game. I had to go back to the game book and look at the fourth quarter again. It was insane. I was like, I don't remember. I remember, but I don't remember. Yeah, and, and if you if you had lost that game on that kick, right? If Young Hoku makes the kick of his life and the Saints end up losing, what would it have been? 29-27? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that would have been something you look back at and say the, the, the X, like just not, Oh, knowing how to win a game lost you that game. And that's something that I think if it happens in week one, you kind of say, okay, you'll live with it. If it happens in week five, in week nine, in week 15, in the playoffs, then it's a, it's a big problem. And they won. I mean, they lose that game. I think clock management would be, a, a, would be the topic of conversation this week. But because they won, it's a topic, but not the topic. Yeah, we're, we're talking about it. <laughs> right. One take that is I, I found funny because it's not actually true is, and I tweeted about this today, I saw a bunch of people saying, you know, if the Saints faced this situation last year, there's no way they would have made that comeback, that record-setting 16-point fourth-quarter comeback. I've seen, I saw multiple people say this, except it's not true. Because they were in a worse situation last year. They were down 24 to set 24 to six with eight minutes left. So they were down more points with less time and came all the way back against the Falcons. And the only reason we're not talking about that as the record that this team almost matched sure. is because Cordell Patterson caught that long bomb and they won on a field goal in the last second. But it wasn't the offense that lost that game, it was the defense. And so this is more me saying, like, I understand this offense is worlds better. The way they came back this year was probably a lot different. But I'm not letting the Falcons off the hook. They can blow a big fourth quarter lead to anybody. It's a gift. I saw, I was reading an article, I think it's Ralph Marlboro, and he, 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 he used Falcon as kind of a verb. They got, fal- they, they falconed. They falconed. They, they falconed. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that's pretty good. They falconed as, as, as a verb. But yeah, I mean, can you imagine being a Falcon fan? And I know there's not a, a ton, but can you just, how do you, how do you wake up on Monday and go, it's okay, 17 games, we got 16. I mean, I just don't, I think you're like, when's the next soccer game? You know, when do the Hawks start? I think that's just, it's, you know. It's I, tough. I think I said this on the last pod, which is like, you should never overreact to what you saw in week one. Like you should never overreact to the saints blowing out the Packers 38 to three, mm-hmm. because week one is so, so weird and so different. And it, teams don't play the way they normally would, or they're just not ready. Uh, except you can overreact if you're the Falcons. Cause this is your life now. Right. This is you just and you're to used to it. And you're, so I, I told you about this before. And here is a list of some of the blown leads they have had in the last several years, like going back to, 28-3 in the Super Bowl. Obviously, it's 28-3 lead, 238 left in the third quarter. Now, they also blew a 30 to 20 lead against the then San Diego Chargers with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. So it's a 10-point lead with six minutes left. You blew that. That's reasonable, right? It's not no the end overtime, of the just regulation, no overtime. I believe it was regulation. 
but it could, it, you know, either way you lost. Right. So I'm not giving them a pass if it went to overtime. <laughs> right. Um, the, the worst probably against the Cowboys, I think this was two years ago. They led 39 to 24. They had a 15 point lead with four minutes and 57 seconds left in that game. Jeez. And they lost. I want to say this is the same season. They led the bears 26 to 10 with six minutes and 22 seconds left in the fourth quarter. So same score as yesterday or on Sunday. And they blew that too. So this is, <laughs> this is nothing new. Um, against the Bucks, they had a 24 to seven lead with 4:35 left in the third quarter, and then now you have 26 to 10 with about 11 minutes left in the game. So, I just ah, you don't leave early at Falcons games. <laughs> no, but I I told you, like if you just if I just told you the scenario, forget that you knew the Falcons. So there's a team that scores in the fourth quarter to go on top, 26 to 10, and the fourth quarter stat. Where teammate the Falcons had the ball for nine minutes and thirty-five seconds of a fourth quarter that they were leading twenty-six to ten. So almost mathematically, how do you? How, it's impossible to lose that game. You're leading twenty-six ten, and you held the ball for almost ten minutes of a fifteen-minute quarter, and you found a way to you know blow the lead. It's just hard to get that many possessions. But anyway, I, I just found that, that when I heard that stat, I was just like, almost 10 minutes. Because I wasn't, they were three for three on third down. They hit all their stats looked like they were just, they scored three points to start, made up, made the first downs. And so, Marcus Mariota looked great. Yeah. He didn't have a lot of pressure. You know, he, he had a yeah. lot of time, a lot of time. And I, you know, we were talking about this earlier. And, that, and that's with, with that read option. First off, if you run it well, and I think Jalen Hurts, runs it as well as anybody when they do run it well i mean it's it's not impossible to defend but it is difficult yeah. and then when you do run it well like mariota and this team did and you don't stop it early man it becomes a guessing game it's just it's like if you can stop it early man you you got it but if you don't feel like a cat chasing its tail okay and so well one more question on the on this side of the break and you know, I wanted to stay on the offensive side of the ball. If you had to pick like one standout, I think I know the answer to this. If you had to pick one standout on the offensive side of the ball, who would it be? Well, I mean, I'm gonna. I, to me, it's Mike Thomas. I mean, okay. I mean, Jarvis made the big catches, but you have to go back to how the game started for Mike, right? I mean, he, he, the two kind of poorly. One was behind him when he kind of tripped on it, but there weren't, it was like clearly these two had not had a preseason together. Right. And yeah. so, and so to me, the way that he was able and Jameis too, both of them flip it and the back shoulder throws were such bullets and such a great job by, by Thomas. And man, when he, when he, when he gets mad, like when you see him get mad, I, I, I'm like, I'm in because I just, you know, he's nothing's going to stop him. And so, to me, and you, you could pick, you know, Jarvis as well. John Johnson made some big plays, but those mm -hmm. touchdowns by my Mike Thomas were kind of inspirational. Yeah, no, I, I, I would have said Jarvis, but yeah, I mean, if you want to pick the most important player that stood out, it would definitely be Mike. I wasn't sure what to necessarily expect from Jarvis in this offense. I wasn't sure how he would coalesce with Mike in that they're both very similar players in their styles. But I was, I was impressed with how Jarvis operated down the field. I didn't expect him to be 
that much of a threat. And maybe he won't be against teams with better secondaries. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that catch he had down at the goal line was incredible. Um, that catch he had on that final drive was incredible. Um, and just, it's going to be fun to watch these two guys all season long. That's I agree. Jarvis to me has a, this ability to find the, I mean, he's played for certainly so many years, but to find that soft spot, because his catches are 19, 20, 21, 31, 40. They're not necessarily bombs, but he, he just runs great routes, finds that soft spot, and boom, it's first down. I mean, he's just, he's, he's not necessarily contested. He just runs such great routes, and they're big passes. And we saw that in the very first preseason game with James. I mean, there was like 19, 19, 20. And I, I think that's, that's, that's what this team has really kind of lacked is that, you know, not the seven yard pass, but the 20 yard pass. And having him do that, man. You're right on the other side with Thomas and Alave, who to me looks so much seasoned than a he's rookie. So smooth. He's just oh so my smooth. gosh, just so <laughs> he just glides along. No doubt. Okay, we'll cut that segment off there. Again, you're listening to Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. We're free on all the all the podcast players, including the Odyssey app. So check that out. We're going to hit the break and come back with Mike Hoss. We're going to hit the defensive side of the ball because we haven't talked much about that yet. And uh, stick around.